Hello there. We're trying to keep Coral Chihuahua going, and so we draw your attention to the possibility of listening to us on Patreon for just a few quid a month. This also magically gets rid of the ads. That's Patreon with an E, patreon.com forward slash Coral Chihuahua. On with the app. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to another edition of Coral Chihuahua. Zebedee asked what the trouble was. Today's edition is about springtime, and I'm joined by both Eamon and Robert down the line today. Hello, chaps. Where are you? Afternoon, Sammy. Uh, I'm just at home, actually, today. Uh, so here in, in uh, pretty cloudy grey Sussex. I mean, you're having quite a relaxed week for me. I was away, uh, but I'm now back. I guess a relaxed Holy Week is not something that uh, you to do. I'm looking forward to seeing you on Saturday for our Victoria Tenebrae uh, concert, Nicholas. So I mustn't call you Nicholas, must I? It just confuses <laughs> <laughs> the whole issue. <laughs> Only your mum calls you Nicholas when she's cross. When, when I'm in trouble, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, looking forward to that. It's superb music, isn't it? And yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing Rachel Podger as well, who's, I think, I was trying to think if there was anybody better to play solo Bach on the violin. I couldn't really come up with anything. Nope, we could think for quite a long time. And you, of course, are in Finland. Finland, Finland, Finland. <laughs> It's the country for me. You're well, so I mean, I, I spent Russia. much of uh, a few days ago so just listening to you evangelizing uh, in the Netherlands, I think, with the Grote Omrup Chor, the radio choir. Grote Omrup Chor, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, from the Concertgebouw with the Concertgebouw Orchestra, which was a great week, actually. Um, wonderful, to, always wonderful to hear that music played by modern instruments, but with a real sense of style and sympathy for the music. It was it was yeah. a really memorable week. More importantly, how was the walk down the stairs? Precarious. <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. It's a nightmare, isn't it? It's so yeah. scary. I had memories of stage directors telling me, if you're walking downstairs, don't look at the stairs because it looks you have to pretend that you're, you're comfortable, but of course you're not. You, you just have so many premonitions of falling down. Yeah, and that's a, a, potentially a leap of faith in a literal sense. The first time I performed at the Concertgebouw, I was chorus mastering, um, for um, I'd conducted a, a program of James McMillan's works uh, in the matinee concert, and then had chorus mastered seven last words with him conducting. I was there, and so oh, you were there, and uh, I'd so I'd bought a new smart tie. So I was wearing my black suit, white shirt, and I bought a nice crimson tie, which unfortunately is exactly what the ushers wear at the Concertgebouw as well. So <laughs> before the concert, I had various people asking me to, to show me show them their seats or where the, where the toilets were. Yeah, it's not quite the uh, Concertgebouw debut I had in mind. Eamon, you've chosen the first piece today. Uh, this is Lily Boulanger. Tell us about it. Yes, indeed. This is Him au Soleil, or Him to the Sun, uh, by Lily Boulanger. Um, I just love the the sort of energy in this. Um, you've introduced me to a few of her works recently, Robert, uh, and I thought that uh, this was one that I just wanted to share with the masses, partly because it's coming up in a, in a programme uh, which I'm sort of connected with uh, shortly. So this is Him to the Sun by Lily Boulanger. The text goes something like, Let us bless the power of the reborn sun with all the universe... Let us celebrate its return, crowned with splendour, 
it rises, it soars, the waking of the earth is a hymn of love. Oh, vivid sun, you appear, the universe younger and fresher, with morning vapours is glistening with dew. Text now by Casimir de la Vigne, music by Lily Borgé. That's, that's a young person's piece, it seems to me, the way it's written, that kind of forceful writing. But, you know, we always say it, but she was 25 when she died, sister of the famous Nadia Boulanger. We were saying early this afternoon, weren't we, Sammy? One of the most important people in 20th century music, really. She taught everyone. And taught everyone. I mean, amazing catalogue. And the range of people she taught. There's, there's a famous story of her teaching Astor Piazzolla, the great tango composer. And he took a bunch of his material to her and she said, look, I can see Stravinsky here. I can see Ravel here. I can see Bartok here. But what I can't see is Piazzolla. Go away and write you know, who you are. And, she, and he came back with all this really profoundly Argentinian music, which 
kind of is now is now basically a national composer. But as well as him, she taught people like Daniel Barenboim, uh, John Elliott Gardner, um, but also Quincy Jones, Bert Bacharach. So an amazing sort of range as well as reach. Gosh, and that I suppose just super clear again. We're now not talking about Lily, but her sister Nadia, the teacher. But Nadia was the one who made that famous recording on a boat on the way back from the States to Europe of Monteverdi Magicals with Hugues Queneau uh, and others, which is quite a nice link <laughs> into our next piece, which is... Uh, yeah, Yes, um, Ready Through Training. Uh, a Monteverdi piece about spring, except it's going to be one of a, a few pieces that isn't quite about spring. And it starts, uh, oh, spring, youthful season of the year, tender grasses, new loves, you indeed can return, but without the precious days of my longing. You were attractive and beautiful, but not so I who had once been so dear to the eyes of others. And there are plenty of recordings of this to listen to, and I had a good listen to all of them. And the one we're going to go to is Concerto Italiano. Big excitement when they came along in the 1990s. Um, have been very few options for listening to this kind of music till then. The excellent um, concert of music with Anthony Rowley for years, uh, and it was it was just different. And when Alison Drini, the director, and um, Tony Rowley were sort of put on the on the same platform, uh, invited to comment on each other's, Tony just said, "You know, if you like it done by Italians, you know, of course there's an authenticity about that. But I like it the way I do it." And uh, and he was what I grew up. Listening to it. and indeed John Labouchardier, his full want of Eddie that, that that you sang, Sammy, was based on that um, console of music recording of of Monteverdi Book Four. But here's Concerto Italiano, and I think it's interesting because they really play around with the rhythm, not because they're playing around with the rhythm, because the rhythm, but because they're doing the text so much. See how they pull it.
ma non son io quel che già tempo un tempo fui, but not so I who had once been so dear to the eyes of others. A classic recording by Concerto Italiano of Monteverdi, book three. How did that strike you, Eamon? Yeah, lovely, lovely. One of the things that I learned from doing a lot of Monteverdi with you, Robert, or one of the things that you impressed upon us was to to take him at face value in terms of what he'd written, to to stick to his kind of rhythmic structure. And you can bend it, but but don't break it, was what you said us said to us. And they're there, as you said, they're bending the um, the text rather than the actual rhythm, aren't they? How th- it's the inflection. And it just struck me that Italian, uh, native Italian speakers doing that can do it in such a way that it sounds completely intuitive uh, and not at all affected. I wonder if, if we were to try to do it to that extent, whether it might sound slightly mannered. And in listening to various bits of repertoire for in preparation for this programme, uh, I was listening to some Kodai, uh, the Matarai Kapek, uh, which I'd actually conducted um, a few years ago. And I listened to it again last night uh, with uh, a Hungarian choir singing it. And I couldn't believe how much they they were sort of almost loose with the rhythm. But it was just inflecting the Hungarian in, in what felt like a completely uh, innate fashion. Uh, and something that as a, a choir of non-Hungarian speakers, we were just completely uh, incapable of doing. Yeah, that, that would be particularly hard, wouldn't it? I remember that the person I actually always quote here is is Sammy singing Zulu. Uh, on that Simunyu project we had, Sammy, when you'd, you'd not sung any before and you found that quite hard to know what to do with it because given you're very much a linguist, happened to be a language you hadn't done. But I reckon you can. I reckon I reckon our Italian is good enough to be able to play with that. I mean, the thing about it, it was so declaimed, wasn't it? And that's one of the very few things that we know about what they valued in 16th century singing. Yeah, I think the other thing about it is that the 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 notation is just as close as the composer can get to the language, isn't it? It's not. It shouldn't be prescribed. It's, it's it should be the starting point. And in fact, throughout musical history, there's always examples of composers who who just love love text and want to get closer and closer to the text. I think think of Monteverdi, of course, but also think of Britten or Janáček in the same way, kind of obsessively mining the the spoken language for music, if you like. And that, I think that's what. Concerto Italiano particularly good at. Yeah, is another example of that, isn't he? And if you do what is written on the page and then add the natural inflection on top of that, it really does work a treat. Exactly. And it's it, we're easily imprisoned by notation and by the score, aren't we? But the, the more we, in, in in lots of senses, the more we can get off it, the better. It's something you get with with Purcell in his less tuneful, more declamatory songs. You have to start with the text uh, and. And understanding that he had this in his mind and he had to code them in notes. I mean, a lot of composers listen to this program, you know, at least three, and <laughs> and they have the you know, same issue. Sixty percent of the listenership. <laughs> that's, that, that's you, Bernard. Hello, nice to see you. <laughs> and, and actually, the start of the next piece we're going to play, Herbert Howells, starts with a very declamatory, uh, very declamatory opening. This is the summer is coming. Uh, I notice Howells, born the year before Lily Boulanger, 1892, much longer life, of course, till 83. Um, and this is a setting of a Brian Guinness poem. It's got the word summer in it, but it's the summer is coming, so it still fits into spring. And Nicholas, you've sung this with Fagellini almost one to a part, haven't you? It's a piece I like doing. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And it's I, I didn't know it until you put it in front of us, I think a couple of years ago, we did one sort of mid-COVID I seem to remember it's a really atmospheric beauty captures the poem beautifully and sort of that slightly dark Irish lyricism that that is so uh, yeah so beautifully captured it's Brian Brian Guinness is the poem and I'm going to read it in its in its entirety the summer is coming over the hills the milk of the blackthorn is bursting and spills all the day the cuckoo in county mayo breathes like a flute as he flits high and low Dark is the turf, and grey is the stone, and sad is the sky for the wild geese gone. But the gleaming coat of the grass begins under the golden brooch of the winds. The black boats walk on the silver strand like beetles that go on the edge of the land. The black boats tilt on the western waves. Black heifers stand over the old green graves. The summer is coming over the sea, and lights with soft kisses on you and on me. The summer is coming. 
what's that, a major key piece or a minor key piece? It just flits between the two of them. That was The Summer Is Coming, the Gabriele Consort conducted by Paul McCreish. And just to say, the group performing Lily Boulanger's Im au Soleil was the Orpheus Fouquet Ensemble with Antoni Barshevsky on piano, conducted by Michael Albert, and that's on the Karos label. Uh, the Howls available on um, the Gabrielli's Winged Lion label. This is something that um, McCreech does, isn't it? You know, despite these massive projects that I've sort of, well, not grown up on, but have been very influential in the in the nineties and the noughties. The Epiphany Mass has that amazingly fast performance of the Bach F Major Lutheran Mass. He does these small choral things uh, as well, and they're very beautifully presented recordings. Really lovely. Yeah, wonderful stuff, really uh, well-programmed, really carefully thought out and quite often mining some uh, underrepresented corners of the repertoire. It's typical, isn't it? You, you start, We start looking for pieces about spring and instantly we're just veering off spring. But that that is intense. That's a really intense shot. Um, but when you're programming, you can't have too much of that, can you? You need to go away into a dark corner and uh, and have a little think after that. It's a tall glass of milk, isn't it? And it's... um. It's it, it, but vocally as well. It, the howls tends to be very taxing and uh, heavy going. You know, it's, those, those phrases are pr- always a bit too long, and it's very very full singing in order to get the kind of full value of the phrases. I guess he never imagined that a, a choir as small as sort of eighteen singers or so would do this. You know, chamber choirs were thirty singers. I was listening to the um, Thames Chamber Choir with Louis Halsey from the seventies. And they're all proper, you know, professional singers, about 30 of them. It felt like listening to it, uh, which gives you more cover, doesn't it? But when you're when you're down to those sort of numbers. There's a lot of this house, which is really, really worth exploring as well. I mean, it was a long career he had. My old uh, former singing teacher, Susan McCulloch, remembers him as professor of composition at, at the Royal College of Music. She used to see him padding along in his slippers, uh, you know, you have the long days there, so the shoes would come off and his slippers would go on instead. Uh, but there's a yeah, there's a lot to be explored. I think I did, I've got to confess I didn't know that piece, and I'm ashamed to say. Um, it sounds quite tricky. You know, you say you wouldn't want too much of that in a program. You'd need time to rehearse that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, comparisons with we were saying while we listened to it, um, take your mirth for cherishing. Uh, the the richness of it, but the it. I mean, it's. On one side, it's that it's it's vocally quite extending, but you can also really sing the piece, can't you? It's that's the glory of it. It's really wonderful stuff to sing, and like you say, I mean, you need a lot. You need do need time to rehearse it. Partly because it's the notes are tricky, but also partly to balance things out. Those incredibly expressive kind of spicy chords um, that don't necessarily work first time. It just takes it takes time and a bit of uh, patience to kind of really get them in the body. I think in the system. You were saying, Sammy, that while well, we were listening to it, that it could only be one person. I mean, it's got the Howl's thumbprint all over it, the mixture of those extraordinary soaring phrases that he has, which is a you know a real uh, trademark. Yeah, and this and the major minor thing that Robert was talking about as well. Just that's kind of that's always slightly sort of slightly ambiguous, isn't it? And he does a good low texture as well, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Yes. If anyone wants to get into that a little bit, there is a Sing the Score episode on Howls on the mm. long, long ago, the fourth of the carol anthems that is really not done very often. I think if you go onto YouTube and look up Sing the Score, Howls, long, long ago, there's a there's a nice interview with Paul Spicer, our great friend and the Howls expert, director of the Finzi Singers, uh, talking about Howls and, and how he wrote. There's much more to him than just Colreg. But I'm going to put you both on the spot. Tell me your favourite bit of Howls. Oh gosh, I do love Long Long Ago. I think it's a wonderful piece. I'm a real, I'm very fond of the Requiem. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. I was, I would say, Hymnus Paradisi actually, but it's so much of that is born out of the Requiem. Yeah, exactly. The story behind it, of course, so personal and, and, and poignant. That that second is it the second movement when the uh, the two choirs just sort of translucently do that uh, stained glass window thing is just by tonality, you know.
we need a bit of a sorbet now. We're going to go back to, to France, but this is France of the 14th century, Guillaume de Machaut. And you may think that's niche, and I suppose it is, but Guillaume de Machaut is really the, the composer that stands above all others in the 14th century, first half of it especially. Or does he? Or was it all, in fact, just a sort of very deliberate sort of setup? Um, the recording that this comes from, uh, which is the Mirror of Narcissus that came out in 1983, just before I went to university by Gothic Voices, has a wonderful um, introduction to it by Christopher Page. And he talks about how um, he chose the title, The Mirror of Narcissus, because uh, because Masher was a bit of a narcissist and that he was very, very clear on how he was marketing himself. He was very aware of legacy, shall we say. Uh, he was a poet as well. Um I mean, you can you can you can download the uh, uh, the intro to that free from the Hyperion website. It's a wonderful disc, and this is a piece that I heard in my second, my fourth term at university, my second year. And I just thought, hang on, was that written in 1980 or or or, 15, or 13 something? Um, and it's it's a springtime piece, and the tune is in the second line down, uh, and there are different versions of it, um, but it's just such a sound. I just found it mesmeric. Roselie printemps verdure, rose, lily, springtime greenery, flowers and the most sweet perfume. You surpass in sweetness, O oh fair one, which is why I adore you. And since you surpass every living creature, I will honourably say rose, lily, springtime greenery.
that's Gothic Voices, the Gothic Throats from Hyperion's The Mirror of Narcissus. Uh, Margaret Philpott, she was a huge figure in medieval music in the, the 80s and early 90s. Emily Van Evera, Rogers Covey Crump, Andrew King. Uh, incredibly tight rhythm there because the uh, rhythmic alignment in that kind of music is absolutely crucial. Um, and the the big thing about that disc was that it was sort of concurrent with uh, articles that uh, an article that Page had written, Christopher Page, the director, um, about the fact that you could absolutely perform these pieces a cappella because the 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 style at the time was just to bring every single instrument you could you could imagine uh, and and put it on a line and make the whole thing about the orchestration. Um, and uh, he said, "There's Page said there's really good evidence that shows that this it wasn't necessarily the case." He's a, a Cambridge fellow, isn't he, Christopher Page? But not actually of music. He's an English fellow, isn't he? That rings a bell. These days, you won't see him without a guitar in his hands. Is that um, yeah, yeah, doing uh, Spanish music, seventeenth century. He invented. The last time I saw him was doing a De Profundis thing, and there he appeared with a guitar at some point because he was doing something in the chapel. Um, also, the man who used to present Spirit of the Age on Radio Three, the most encyclopedic knowledge, incredibly understated, just. Just very, very interesting. Sam, you have to ask, because I don't think you have for me, have you, have you had, had to sing that kind of stuff in that kind of way? A little bit with the Orlando concert over the years. Um, and I was just remembering that with Dunedin a long, long time ago, um, we did a programme of that kind of stuff um, somewhere up in Scotland, and Matthew Brooke was singing. Um, and it can be it's, it's tricky music isn't it and it's rhythmically very intricate and often you get kind of one vowel every two pages and Matthew and I ended up kind of just going he, 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 for about um, three bars and then we just decided to give it up and Matthew said in his charming way that, oh, sorry ladies and gentlemen I think it's time to move on to the next piece <laughs> that, there was a Fagiolini concert also in Edinburgh when I think Nick Smith was ill and we had to rewrite the concert, and Matthew and Anna ended up doing a rather silly duet by, oh, by Thomas Morley, and we eventually just had to leave it because Matthew got terrible, terrible giggles. It's it's not born out of unprofessionalism, you understand. There's no one more professional, than Matthew, but sometimes things are just funny. Yeah, that's it. I did a concert last night with the sixteen, uh, and in the interval. Uh, I overheard Mark DeBell uh, of the Orlando Consort and Stephen Harrell, formerly of the Hilliard Ensemble, saying how grateful they were to have done reams and reams of this terribly difficult uh, 14th century stuff because they found that when you found yourself in scary situations uh, in more contemporary repertoire, uh, it stands you in really good stead. And that's a beautiful connection there because that's where Lassus ended, uh, where Masho ended up, in reams. Which is pronounced "has" or something, isn't it? But there you go. Don't let that get in the way of a brilliant. No, no, good. I'm doing well today. Uh, What's next? We've got a piece by Caroline Shaw, her setting "And the Swallow," which is uh, a kind of working of Psalm 84, um, first performed by the Netherlands Kammerkor back in 2017, uh, and it hangs really nicely on the peg of spring, with the sparrow finding her house and the swallow her nest where she may raise her young.
and The Swallow by Caroline Shaw. University of York Chamber Choir of the 24, conducted by our very own Robert Hollingworth. That's in the lines. That was November the year before last, where we were all sort of rebuilding after COVID and getting to sing with each other again. That's a most lovely... Uh, so thank you. The most lovely piece. Um, now she she has the group room full of teeth, doesn't she? She sings in that, uh, and her own partita is a a thing of a thing of wonder. Amazing sort of piece. So either of you sung that? I'm guessing probably not. No, it's on my not. list to program. I think it's mm-hmm. brilliant, but mm. yeah, I don't suspect. You need it's some. Easy. No, you'd need some what we could call European um, European rehearsal time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sammy, you've uh, you've been passioning all over the place. I know our colleague Matt and a lot of other people will be as well. Uh, Eamon, have you have you passioned this after your two episodes about it? Actually, no. Uh, it's a year without without a passion. Hmm. I've got one planned for next year. Uh, I'm pleased to say uh, to conduct the Matthew for the first time. Um, but recently, uh, did a Brahms requiem uh, with the Thomas Tallis Society in a really wonderful arrangement uh, by Ian Farrington. Um, you can do it just with, uh, I think, with just nine players. Uh, so it's it's violin, viola, cello, double bass, and piano, and uh, flute, oboe, clarinet. So that, that's eight players. Um, but you know, of course, there's the version for piano with uh, with four hands. But this is lovely because you get a lot of the orchestral color that you miss in in the in the piano only version. Uh, so if anyone thinking of wanting to do the Brahms but put off by the expense of it. I would highly recommend Ian Farrington's arrangement of it. That's really good knowledge. And that way you won't be tempted to program the Liebesleader Walzer along, along beside them, which, which I was exposed to at school and it's rather ruined me afterwards. Oh, indeed. We did a rather nice piece. Uh, it's actually, uh, which I hadn't come across before. It's a little uh, funeral motet by Brahms, published posthumously, called Dem Dunkelschoss, uh, Den Heilgen Erde. It's really beautiful. And did it as a little kind of uh, introit, if you like, and then went straight into the requiem. It's a really good piece, that isn't it? I've done that before, and it's a, a piece that is a it's a sort of slight piece, isn't it? Quite old school, and it's written for Schumann's funeral, for which Brahms arranged the music. Is that that's known for a fact? Is it? Because I I'd believe so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and it's a really touching kind of. Obviously, there's a very tightly uh, involved. Um, history between Schumann and Brahms and Clara Schumann and so it's particularly poignant I think that piece. Could you say that title again slowly? Dem Dunkeln Schoss der Heilgen Erde. To the, the, the sacred earth's dark, yeah, to the sacred earth's dark womb. Dark womb, yeah. Great, good tip. Um, what are you looking forward to, Eamon, this, in the spring particularly? what's? Well, for anyone who enjoyed the Boulanger and would like to... Uh, hear it live the Talis Society will be performing it on the 24th of June that's an Alpage church uh, in Greenwich in an all French program which I'm not actually conducting but uh, Olivia Schotten is coming to conduct that uh, because I'm going to be away uh, conducting uh, Rachmaninoff's third piano concerto uh, up north um, which I'm rather rather looking forward to anniversary year how about you, Sam? You you'll be getting about as always. Well, yeah, I did. I, I just thinking of Lily Boulanger. I did her Vieille Prière Boudique just before Easter, um, which is a great piece. Really, really fun. Like you say, young young person's music, but really wonderful, evocative, exotic colours. It sounds a bit like a bit like some Debussy's piano music in that sense. Um, coming up, there's I've got to finish these passions. No pun intended in Helsinki and. Um, then next month doing a, a program of Marian music with uh, Dunedin, um, including some including some uh, Palestrina, but also some more recent stuff by Kerry Andrew and others, which I think will be nice. And then uh, later into the summer, going to New York for a bit of handle. Ooh, lovely! Mm, you can do the walk, the walk along that green. Uh, what's it called there? The high up walkway in New York, the green. Oh, the High Line. Highline. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm good at. Highlines. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh dear, walked into that. Right. Yeah. Come on, quickly, move on, move on. What about you, Robert? I've actually got a bit of time at home and to prepare for things, which is good because I've got Stour Music, the music festival in East Kent coming up at the uh, at the end of end of June, and then a recording with you, Sammy, of uh, mid seventeenth century 
Roman music, multi-choir music, uh, which we're sort of keeping under wraps for the moment, but looking forward to that. I've been working hard on creating some new additions. Um, uh, yes, and then it's a busy university time. We've got recitals to mark, end of year recitals. Will you be doing some of that as well? Yeah, a bit of that at Cambridge, uh, doing the finalists this year. It's always, a, oh. always an interesting day. Yeah. I'm, mm. I might see you there. I'm a, also, uh, I think I'm doing the undergraduates. Ah, uh, okay. Right, give them all hell, because if there's one thing we don't want, it's the competition. Exactly, yeah. No <laughs> use coming so. through. Right, we're going to finish with Warlock and your Warlock, Mayor Naaman. I am, and I've got to confess, I'm really annoyed that you've got the first bit of Warlock uh, into Coral Chihuahua ahead of me, and that's specifically why I look to put the Boulanger in, because I think I always think of you as a, a man for French 20th century repertoire. Um, but <laughs> I do love a bit of Warlock, as anyone who knows me will tell you. Now, this is the Caris Singers with George Paris. I would say newish, but only to someone of my age. Um, actually, this is the time we, we just said we were going to register the fact that we are very aware on this programme that we are three white middle-aged blokes talking about music, uh, some of us more middle and some of us more aged. But um, if if we get to the end today and you think, well, why didn't they play this piece by a, by a BAME composer or a, a, another female composer or just frankly something else interesting that you thought we should have covered, please feel free to write in. Uh, probably the simplest place to go to is the Fagellini website and just use the uh, uh, use the contact on there. And we'll gladly uh, take suggestions and then rip them up and ignore them. Uh, but here is here is this lovely All the Flowers of the Spring, which is a quite a long piece, about six minutes long, because he has a he has an issue with wind at the end. And this is something he does twice. Uh, yeah. Um, the the other great piece by Warlock. Um, uh, which is on that 1916, 1917 poem about the the guy somewhere on the on who's been invalided out of the First World War and he's on the uh, on the beach and he's just with his own companions, wind, stars, night, uh, and he there he just plays chromatically with the texture for quite a long time. He does the same thing at the very end of this one, um, and I think this time we're going to say farewell and leave you with this, and I'm going to read you. The poem. So good luck with your springs, chap. Hope you, chaps, hope you get a break by the time this goes out. And this is John. This is one of the three John Webster dirges from from uh, about 1610 or so. All the flowers of the spring meet to perfume our burying. These have but their growing prime, and man does flourish but his time. Survey our progress from our birth. We are set. We grow. We turn to earth. Courts are due and all delights, all bewitching appetites. Sweetest breath and clearest eye, like perfumes, go out and die. And consequently this is done, as shadows wait upon the sun. Vain the ambition of kings who seek with trophies and dead things to leave a living name behind, and weave but nets to catch the wind. Wind. Wind.
Mm, that's getting almost symphonic in the way that he lets that play on and on and on. A Dog with a Bone, Peter Warlock there and his All the Flowers of the Spring. Uh, that's the Caris Singers with George Paris. Um, I wasn't going to pop back, but we realised we'd forgotten to say that that's it for this little spring, spring-ish series. Uh, we'll be back in a few weeks' time. Uh, meanwhile, thanks for listening. There are, of course, all the old ones, 30-odd of them to uh, to dip into if you fancy it. Uh, uh, thanks for listening and thanks for donating. See you then. Just before you go, another reminder to try listening on Patreon, which costs just a few pounds per month. Or, if you prefer, you can very simply make a one-off donation. You can actually do either via coralchihuahua.com. Thanks.